One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the AccuWeather Podcast, and this week in honor of Halloween. We are looking into paranormal activity and the weather. <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> pretty, very good. Pretty creepy. That yeah, was creepy. scary. Wow. A little, a little scary. So. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, guys, we are talking to J.V. Johnson. So he's the host of the radio show Beyond Reality. And his co-host, you may have heard of, uh, Jason Hawes. He's the founder of TAPS, the Atlantic Paranormal Society, and that ultimately led to the show Ghost Hunters because they pretty much just started following him and his Mm -hmm. team around with cameras and video equipment. And you may not realize this, but there's a connection between weather and paranormal reports. I had no idea until we started doing some research for this episode. Right. Um, Actually, this past summer in the UK, there was a major spike in ghost sightings um, and a lot of different calls to uh, ghost hunters uh, because of a heat wave in July and August. Right, and it's and, and, and it's not because they were delirious from being dehydrated or t- that may have <laughs> something know, to you, do with it. I'm not you sure. No, but, there but any, in any event, there was a number of reports, and yep. there have been uh, paranormal investigators who say there is an uptick in activity with heat, ambient mm-hmm. heat, and they also say that there's an uptick in activity when there is uh, electrical, like lightning and uh, storms. And I'm, I'm personally, I'm really interested in it because I'm, I'm a big paranormal fan. I like watching paranormal TV shows. Uh, it is a small passion of mine. So, and, I, and like I said, you know, uh, paranormal doesn't always just mean ghosts. It can also just mean things that scientifically we, we can't understand. So it'll be really interesting to find out how all this comes together. I think so, too. I, I, I think that, it, well, so we'll be talking to JV, and he's obviously a believer in it mm-hmm. because he makes this his life's work. But uh, we're also going to do the flip side of the coin, <laughs> a big flip side. This is the part I'm looking forward to. <laughs> With uh, our own meteorologist, uh, Marshall Moss, because he recently went to one of those ghost hunting things in Gettysburg. I can't and wait to hear this story. <laughs> I know. Well, he's a big he's a big skeptic. Yeah. And so, and I'm kind of like you, Andy. I fall somewhere in between. I always say, like, anything's possible. Really. I, well, I mean, because Galileo, until he discovered that the world was round, they said, well, we can't see that it's round. It looks flat to me. So, you know. Well, there's yeah. a bunch of flat earthers out there right now. There are still people <laughs> that are flat earthers. I know. There really is. But so. I, I am a believer. I, I am a believer. I, I want to believe it. I want to believe it. And so I'm kind of hoping that ultimately that is the case. So that's what we're doing next. So stay with us. From our global headquarters in State College, Transylvania, it's the AccuWeather Podcast. Here is your host, Regina Miller. <laughs> Well, we are joined on the phone now by J.V. Johnson. He has the radio program Beyond Reality. And so this is all paranormal, right, J.V.? Paranormal from start to finish every night. That's right. Thanks for taking some time to talk with us today. I appreciate it. Very, very happy to be here. 
Okay, well, let's get started talking about your career and uh, your interest in the paranormal. How did all this get going? It's that's one of the most common questions I'm asked, and it's also one of the most difficult to answer. You know, we often think of the paranormal, at least in my circles, as ghosts, and clearly that's part of what we're talking about here. But uh, my interest in the paranormal has extended well beyond just ghosts, and it really was fueled as a kid. There was a TV show called uh, In Search Of that was hosted by Leonard Nimoy, and uh, that show fascinated me. And it it was less about ghosts and more about um, things like ancient aliens or uh, the Loch Ness Monster or Bigfoot. And that started my path down this uh, road of curiosity. And then um, as I got a little bit older, I started to talk to people and hear these stories about their personal ghost experiences, particularly one that my mother had. And that just fascinated me as well. Now, sadly, I've had, doing a lot of investigations, I've had a lot of weird things happen to me, but I've never had a ghost walk up to me and and for me to be able to say, there it is, I've finally seen it, and I'm 100% convinced that that's what we're talking about now. Um, That experience hasn't happened to me yet. But, you know, when I hear other people's experiences who've had that type of encounter, I am just intrigued, and I have been since I was a little kid, And uh, that's, uh, you know, it started as a bit of a hobby, and it's turned into far more than that. Right, and you've surrounded yourself with people that really know about this as well, because your co-host is uh, from Ghost Hunters. Yeah, in fact, um, he's not just, you know, one of the Ghost Hunters or just a Ghost Hunter. He's the guy that kind of started this whole thing. Jason Hawes uh, is the founder of the TAPS organization, which for those of you who don't, know uh, what the Ghost Hunters TV show is. TAP stands for the Atlantic Paranormal Society. And it was that group that was followed by a camera crew as they did their investigations that became the show Ghost Hunters. So I consider Jason to be kind of the, um, I'm not going to call him the grandfather of because that might insult him, but at least the the godfather of uh, paranormal reality television. Ghost Hunters kind of started it all Um, There were a lot of imitators, and they're all good shows. I'm not trying to disparage any of them, but they all came after Ghost Hunters uh, kind of uh, blazed the trail. And Jason is my co-host, or I'm his co-host, however way you look at it, um, on Beyond Reality Radio. We've been doing the show together for two years, and we have a great time doing it. We talk about uh, all things paranormal, not just ghosts. And uh, every night when we uh, we uh, end the program, we look at each other and say, wow, we learned something again tonight. And now you mentioned... Just out of curiosity, you mentioned your mother's ghost story that kind of intrigued you. What is that? Well, there's two that my mother told me that just still kind of haunt me today. And one of them was when her grandmother passed away. She had a dream the night after she died that her grandmother, uh, she, my mother was at a train station as a little girl because she was young at the time. Mm-hmm. And a train pulled into the train station and her grandmother, my great grandmother, got off the train grabbed her hand and said, you need to come with me. I want you to come with me. And my mother, as a little girl, said, Grandma, I can't come with you. I'm not ready to go with you. And it was this kind of struggle she had in this dream where her grandmother was trying to get her to leave with her. And, of course, there's a lot of meaning to that particular dream. And uh, it kind of scared my mother at the time. But in retrospect, she would talk about it a little more fondly, just thinking that her grandmother loved her and wanted her to be with her. Uh, And then, uh, as a young adult, my mother tells me of the story that she uh, woke up one, well, actually not one night, but several nights, and there would be a man standing at the end of her bed (laughs) in a bit of a white jacket rubbing his hands. Well, that's scary. (laughs) Just 
Yeah, it gives me sh- uh, chills down my spine when I talk about this one. She never felt threatened by this man. She never knew who it was, but he would appear not frequently, but enough that, uh, you know, it was kind of a regular occurrence for a while. She could never define who the person was. She couldn't couldn't connect it to a relative that may may have passed away, but she assumes it had to be something like that. In fact, there were points where you know, I would sit in that room hoping I would see something like that. I don't know what I would have done if I saw it, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was kind of hoping, hoping for the experience, and uh, I, I never, I was never able to to see that. But she would tell that story over and over, and it gave me enough of a curiosity that I wanted to get some answers. You know, we were talking about like uh, investigations that people do that you talk to on your radio show, and and I was just wondering what kind of energy are investigators measuring to determine like if a spirit is present like how does that work well you know this is a bit of a gray area because everybody's got different techniques and i can tell you this that despite the fact we use a lot of these devices on tv and we use them in our investigations nobody's really really sure what we're detecting and what we're not detecting i always say that the best instruments you can use are your eyes and your ears taking that a step further I I extend that to audio recorders and video recorders. Those are the best, in my opinion, devices to use when you're doing any kind of a paranormal investigation, whether it's ghosts or hunting for Bigfoot, it doesn't really matter. But then you get into devices that measure things like um, electromagnetic magnetic fields. We've all, if we've watched ghost hunters, we know they use EMF detectors and they use a device called the K2 meter, which measures uh, fluctuations in the EMF field. You know, we don't know what those things are actually telling us, but what we can do is we can determine that uh, there should be no spikes. There should be no changes in that energy um, based on where we are. As long as we've ruled out, you know, uh, electrical wires or other devices or cell phones or whatever it happens to be. So if we're in in, in what we'll call a sterile electromagnetic environment and we're getting fluctuations, something's changing. So we've We've kind of connected that change in energy to the presence of some type of, whether it's a spirit or some type of interdimensional connection or whatever it happens to be, it's measuring something that shouldn't be there. And that's kind of what the paranormal is all about. So if you go into a place, do they get like a baseline reading for a period or something like that so that you know then as the investigation starts if there's some kind of weird spike or something that you've already had a baseline of really what it's supposed to look like? Yeah, establishing baselines is very, very important. And if you if you scanning a house and you you enter an area and you see all of a sudden you know a spike in the EMF field or something, then you've got to look for causes in that. Um, you know whether it's a, a light fixture above your head, a fluorescent light, or if it's a you know electrical box in the wall, even and those things are harder to determine because you can't always see them. And then you know there are simple things like somebody's cell phone. I mean, it, it's common that somebody thinks they're getting some type of paranormal reading and it's their cell phone, uh, you know, either on a table next to them or in their pocket that's uh, generating some type of electromagnetic field. So you're absolutely right. The baseline is important. You can't determine fluctuation unless you know what your starting point is. Are there certain types of weather that would impact an investigation? That is a great question. The answer is maybe. (laughs) (laughs) We do know, we do know that, you know, we see and experience activity when there's an energy source. We know that uh, weather provides all sorts of energy, whether it's rain providing running water, you know, uh, off the roof of a house that provide that creates an energy or it's an electrical storm putting uh, electrically charged particles into the air that provides an energy or if it's if it's heat 
if it's a, if it's a warm night. Uh, we know that heat is a form of energy, and even if it's just in the air, it's just the ambient temperature of the air, there's an energy associated with that. So what we do know for sure is anything that can provide a source of that type of energy um, is potentially something that could help fuel activity. So if there's a thunderstorm or lightning discharge or if there's um, like a heat wave or something, when you say it can have a spike in activity, do you mean that it's a spike in how the instruments would read the electromagnetic field? Or do you think that it actually influences paranormal activity like spirit world, you know, kind of thing, because people do report more, you know, activity maybe during a heat wave, or you'll hear of people reporting higher incidents. We do know that if we're doing an investigation and there are thunderclaps, that's going to that's going to affect our audio recordings, you know, so these, these are things that we, we have to look at from a very practical standpoint and say, okay, we've got to be careful of that type of contamination, because it could make our instruments uh, reflect something that you know, is not paranormal. It's just measuring uh, a lightning strike or it's measuring an, an, uh, a thunderclap um, that reverberates through a house. And sometimes those things are distant. You don't necessarily hear them right away. And um, you don't even know what's happening in some cases because they're distant. And yet it makes the house rumble a little bit because our, our instruments can be quite sensitive. But having said that, the answer to the bigger question is, does it fuel paranormal activity itself? And we believe it does. And again, as I said before, this stuff requires energy. If, if, a, if a spirit is going to, let's just use a, a kind of a cliched example, but, you know, knock on a wall or knock on a door or something so that you can hear it, it needs a, a source of energy to be able to manifest that. We know that uh, some of that energy comes in the form of heat because we can determine that. Or Again, it's a bit of a, you know, it's still, it's not a proven science, but it's something that practical experience has told us is true that a cold spot will form in an area because that spirit is drawing the energy from that heat in the ambient temperature from the air to use as an energy source to be able to manifest whatever uh, uh, phenomena that you're experiencing. So yeah, that energy uh, coming from these phenomena, whether again, it's running water from a rainstorm, whether it's electrically charged particles in the air, even prior to a, a lightning strike, because as we know, it's those particles that are becoming charged that actually ends up creating the lightning strike. Okay. Or well, it's wind that's ru wind rubbing against, you know, a surface creates static electricity. Um, you know, there are all sorts of ways that weather phenomena will in turn create energy that will help fuel some paranormal phenomena. Can it partially be energy fields from other things that allow activity, in your perspective, to be higher in certain locations? Because I would think there's certain locations specifically that have some other kind of energy fields, you know, whether it be magnetic or something. Well, we do know this. We know that there are places that are more active than other places. And sometimes we can explain why that might be. I guess to the layperson, you might think, oh, well, that just happens to be where the ghost is. Well, that's not always the case. Quote, unquote, ghost might be there because the energy source is there. And there are things like geology and geography that help fuel the phenomenon. For example, uh, any place that has like a limestone bedrock seems to have more activity. That limestone, for some reason, will help generate some type of energy that helps fuel the activity. Um, running water, I've mentioned it a couple times, running water seems to be something that will help fuel activity. And I'm not exactly sure why, but we've seen it enough in practice that we can 
uh, comfortably say there is a connection. And you mentioned a sudden rush of cold. Sometimes I've seen that, you know, as I've watched Ghost Hunters or as I've watched some of these shows where they'll say that when someone thinks the spirit is close. And you were saying that's absorbing energy. Yeah, exactly. The, the quote unquote cold spots. Um, you know, when you're in the middle of a, of a room that's closed up, you know, windows are closed, everything is pretty well sealed, and you're, you're walking through the middle of the room and suddenly you feel a dramatic drop in temperature, that's a hard thing to explain just in the course of what's happening in the room, unless you start adding paranormal activity to it. And, and we never look at these things in, in, a, in isolation. We always couple them with something else that'll help corroborate what's happening. So, for example, we're walking through this room, we feel a cold spot, and all of a sudden we hear, uh, you know, some type of unexplained noise. Or we catch at the same time on one of our voice recorders an EVP, which stands for Electronic Voice Phenomena, which is not something you hear with your ears, but you hear it in playback later when you're listening to the recording. And that is timed with that cold spot being experienced. Those things come together and you say, okay, well, what's happened here is the EVP or the knock on the wall or whatever it happened to be, or the voice you might hear, was able to manifest itself because it drew heat from the air as a source of energy to be able to do that, and that's why we felt the cold spot. So investigators are looking for more than one confirmation of what it is they're seeing. Good investigators are, yes. Right. The other thing I I think is interesting is because of, as I've watched (laughs) these shows, and like, it's always at night, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like terrifying. Does it have to be at night? <laughs> Can you do the investigation in the middle of the day? <laughs> does does night uh, dark have an impact on it? Well, there are a couple reasons it does. Often what we're looking for is some type of light source that would indicate activity. And when you're doing these investigations in the day, you don't often see the subtle changes in light. Now, we've often caught activity because we've seen a glow or um, you know, a flash of light. And in some cases, we, you know, orbs, which we don't put a lot of uh, stock in, but we have caught, quote unquote, orbs that are emitting their own light. We never would have seen that during the day. So the dark helps us determine if a light being generated by something that shouldn't be there. So that does help. The other thing that, that nighttime does help is it, it tends to reduce external contamination, noise, people. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're poking around a, a building at 2 in the morning, there's less traffic outside. You know, there are less of those things than there would be during the day. So there's some practical reasons for it, too. What's maybe one of the incidents of highest activity or one of the most compelling incidents to kind of maybe prove spirit activity in your experience? I, I can actually share one that... I, actually, I'm going to share two. Okay. One is far more emotional than the other for me. The first it was at Rolling Hills Asylum in East Bethany, New York, which is near Rochester, New York. And it's a place that we investigated many, many times. It was on the show a couple times on Ghost Hunters. It's been on all the other paranormal shows as well. We actually did a bunch of events there. And at one of those events, I was in one of the buildings on the third floor, and I actually, and this may sound silly um, to some people, but to me it was very, very real. I stood at the end of a hallway with, a, with two other people. We all saw the same thing. We saw a green glow at the end of a hallway, which over the course of about 10 or 15 seconds started to take the form of a person. Then it started to move down the hall toward us. Now, it was faint enough that there's still a hint of doubt as to what I was seeing, mm-hmm. but it was there and it was real enough that everybody else with me saw it. And we didn't describe it 
at the same time. It was after the fact that we described it to each other, and we all saw the same thing. This thing moved down the hallway. It stopped about halfway down the hallway and dissolved. That's the closest I've personally come to a full-bodied apparition. And the other one I'll share with you uh, is far more personal. Last year, my mother passed away, and I was at her bedside when she did. We'd been waiting a couple days because she was ill, and time finally came. I stood there with her. I watched her take her final breath. And it was about 10 or 15 seconds after that. We were in a hospital room, in fact, intensive care hospital room. Shortly after she took her final breath, 10, 15 seconds later, a gust of wind crossed my face that came from nowhere. There, I mean, there was no right. uh, heating vents. There was nobody came in the room, nothing. It was a gust of wind that crossed my cheek. And I'm convinced that it was my mother saying goodbye to me. Yeah, yeah. And of all my paranormal experiences, that one clearly has the most meaning to me. I'm sure. And I'm sorry about your mother. I'm sorry to hear about that. But I appreciate you sharing that story with me. Very interesting. It's interesting to hear about all of this. Well, uh, JV, tell me about the uh, Scaricon that you have coming up so that people know what that is and where and when. Yeah, I'm so excited about this. I uh, promote and run this event. It's a paranormal and horror film pop culture fan convention. And the one we've got coming up is actually October 26th to the 28th at Turning Stone Casino in Verona, New York, which is near Syracuse, New York. And what we do is we bring in a bunch of celebrities, whether it's movie celebrities from horror movies or it's paranormal television, you know, reality television, paranormal personalities. And they come and they, you know, they all have a booth and they meet people and they sign autographs and they take pictures and they spend a weekend with whoever comes out to hang out with us. In addition to that, we've got a bunch of great vendors that have very, very unique products, specifically uh, at Halloween time. And we show films. Many of them are new films, never shown before, horror generally. Panel discussions and Q&A sessions with all the celebrities. And then we have parties at night. And it really is a Friday through Sunday get-together of people who share a passion for these types of entertainment. It's a lot of fun, and it's coming up October 26th through the 28th. And the website is scaracon.com. All right, great. Thanks for uh, sharing the information. And JV, of course, if people are looking for your radio show, once again, what's it called and where can they find it? There's a couple of ways that it can be found. Our favorite way is if somebody finds a radio station carrying it. It's called Beyond Reality Radio, and we air live midnight to 2 a.m. Eastern, and we're live Monday through Friday night. Our website is beyondrealityradio.com. It lists our affiliates there. There's a couple of other ways it can be listened to as well. We have an app for both iPhones and Android phones. You can also listen live on the website. Okay, great. Thanks for taking the time with us today, JV. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. It was fun to talk about this. And our thanks to JV Johnson. Make sure to check out BeyondRealityRadio.com and Scaricon.com with their Scaricon coming up October 26th through the 28th in Verona, New York. So we talked to JV, and coming up next we have Marshall Moss. Who <laughs> this is going to be interesting? This is going to be interesting because anybody that knows Marshall, he, he, he's a really opinionated guy uh, from New York. <laughs> so okay, that paints the picture there. <laughs> opinionated big guy from New York, and uh, he's our resident skeptic. But before we get to him, I mm-hmm. want to talk to you about your ghost experience because Andy is like the resident nice guy. I mean, we like him. Nice Ghosts guy. are going to like him. <laughs> Ghosts like me. Ghost, Gullible guy. Ghost, he's hey. not. He's, I, I 
don't believe you are, Andy. I I, I want to hear about your experience. There. I mean, I didn't personally have an experience so much as my as my girlfriend did over the summer. We were staying in a house in in Buffalo, New York, and it was built in like eighteen thirty something, and okay. it was kind of old. You know, made a lot of sounds, kind of creepy. I went to bed fine that night. I was tired. I just went to sleep. But my girlfriend could not sleep that night, and she felt very unnerved just by being in this room. She felt like something was watching her throughout the whole night as as I slept. But the next morning, I woke up, and she's like, I'm not going to sleep in this room again. I'm like, well, why? What's wrong? And she said, I just have a bad feeling. I have a weird feeling about this room. So I was like, okay, that's fine. We'll, you know, we'll do what you want. So we went back downstairs, and... She didn't, wouldn't go back upstairs. Right. And she started doing some, uh, you know, some of those EVP recordings as well. She would, like, leave her phone and try to, you know, pick up voices. Didn't hear that much, but after, like, a day or so of being there, and every time I did kind of go back upstairs to that floor, it was a little unnerving. It was a little creepy. Now, See? was the house Gullible. known? Influenced. Now, <laughs> now, wait a second. Was the house known as being a haunted house? Not that I know of. Oh, okay. I mean, I didn't do much research about the house before we went there, but you know, right? Y- y- you think old house, you obviously think yeah. haunted. But it was a little, it was a little uncomfortable. Now, see, I, I told you guys, I own a funeral home. Just happened to own. <laughs> it, it's it's like an investment property, but anyway, it's a funeral home. And I remember when people would come over, and we lived upstairs for a time mm-hmm. while we were building our other house, and they would be like, "Are you like creeped out that you live above a funeral home?" And I was like, "No, they're not. They're passing through." Uh, Ghosts here are not staying and haunting the funeral home. They're going back to wherever they lived. (laughs) So, so, but it was a big old house like that. But, um, but I think you know, I think there are some people that are just more sensitive, Mm -hmm. um, and maybe have the ability to pick up on something. So I don't know. That's kind of where I stand on this. Uh, And and with that, let's bring Marshall in. You know, I wanted to bring you in, Marshall, because. You actually just recently had an experience where you went to, it was like the haunted Gettysburg, right? Right. Right. So tell me what was going on there that you went, because I've heard some people talk about this and they say it's pretty creepy, but you said you were there and they were kind of trying to provoke some ghosts. So tell me about your trip there. Sure. So we went there for what was called the world's largest ghost hunt. I guess it was an event that was uh, filmed around the world. There was a variety of places around the world where they were doing it and streaming it everywhere. Um, and my wife is big into this. Oh, okay. So throw that out there. I went there for her. Um, <laughs> it happened to be during the Penn State Ohio State game, so I, so I you made really quite the sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. There was a group there with there were some people from I think it was the Ghost Hunters show, but it was one of those popular shows, and it was at these people's house where they run the tours. Apparently, there were supposedly com- uh, Confederate soldiers out in the field behind them. There was a couple of graves on the property. So this is one of those places that they say has, like, paranormal activity right. on a regular basis, so they're coming in to check it out. Exactly. Oh, okay. And the people report it, and they lead tours all the time, and they've supposedly seen Confederate soldiers walking and things okay. in their hallways and in the basement and so forth. And, and actually, before we started, they, they showed a picture um, of somebody with a big scratch on their arm and said, this is when somebody went down there and asked the ghost how it died. So <laughs> okay. be careful what you say when you're down there. So um, then they had us using all kinds of thermal sensor equipment and EVP cameras and whatever all the equipment is that they use. Oh, they sent you out with it. Yeah, so they let us actually carry so use it some for some of the time. So, so you had it in the basement. I had it in the basement. How'd uh, that go? It, it was interesting. Uh, first, they open up an application on a computer that apparently is picking up what 
the spirits are saying and um it was just an internet site so yeah there was just some random things on there nothing that seemed like much they also had us download an app which and i'm gonna throw this out there for everybody and i know you may find this hard to believe already i am a skeptic as they called me <laughs> I, can, no. I, 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 I know um, i was gonna they say had us download a, skeptic here <laughs> had us download a specific app on our phones they told us exactly which ones to get and we got them and it was bringing up words apparently spirits were saying and in the basement I, i'd ask some questions i didn't really get much in the way of answers of course what'd you ask um what's my name where are you from things like yeah, that right um if there's something down here show me do something move something kind of things yeah um there, there was so nothing. you were doing the thing that you'll see where people go out and kind of try to provoke it into some sort of i, I was behaving i mean, would be disrespectful okay. to the people mm-hmm. that were there mm-hmm. so they had me ask questions and do some things but it, it got better as it went on so nothing Nothing, nothing at all? No, nothing that made me think anything. The basement was creepy. I'll give them that. Yeah. <laughs> it was creepy. Completely unfinished, just dirt and concrete and dark. Right. It was creepy. Then they took us out to, in the field, asked me again if, if I believed anything yet, said no. So they put me out behind where these so flashlights they, they were. Put me out there. So they put me out in the field. So then now they at tried to tell the ghost to, you know, show me their presence, to try and tug my sweatshirt or do something to. Right. To show they exist, and I stood there for a while, and I made sure to turn around to make sure nobody was sneaking up behind me to tug me, and um, (laughs) there was nothing, and then they put a couple other people over there, um, and one of them said that she felt their hand being held, Um, another one said she felt something, and there was one said again she smelt and tasted blood. Ugh. Whatever. Ugh. I got nothing. Are you one of those people that has a sensitivity to pick up the mood in the room? <laughs> like, 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 I'm one of those people who I can't read the room in front of me or the people's faces mm-hmm. in front of me. So if it were a ghost, I definitely can't pick up on it because I just don't have the sensitivity for that. No, I'm, I'm not somebody <laughs> that picks up on things like that. I, mean, I, I will say again, my wife does believe in it. She, she believed does. that yeah. she lived in a place that was haunted once. Did she have any experiences? Oh, while we were there, yeah, she actually said she felt her finger being held oh. at one point. You know, in a previous story in a in a, an old farmhouse she lived in um, before I was with her, um, she said they had experiences where they'd hear walking in the hallways at night. Lights, like every night at like 2.30 in the morning, would just turn on in some cases. And there was one instance where, I guess, their grandfather's cane was hanging on the wall uh, while he was visiting, and it turned. You so know, your, wife that's is, all your wife's proof. a believer. Well, she's a believer. I'm a believer in science, I said. So basically, <laughs> you have problems with electric surges, a house settling, and trucks driving by. But, right. you know, you, people believe right. what they want to believe. What about you guys? What about you, Andy and Ken? I don't completely dismiss it. I think that there is there can be, you know, resonating energy, I right. think, that you can, like, you can pick up on. Maybe if you're more of, like, an empath. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, somebody who's so more, like, got a little more... Sensitive. What a, I know Ken's grinning, so I know Ken's answer. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear <laughs> this. I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm like, in the Marshall camp. Like, I'm a complete skeptic. I'm totally. sorry. And, you yeah. know, I got to say, like, I'm kind of undecided. Like, with what I understand of the light spectrum, what we can see of the light spectrum is, like, minuscule portion, yes. compared to the entire electromagnetic spectrum. Same thing with sound waves. Yeah. Say, yeah, so I'm thinking... Well, you know, I guess there's a possibility that maybe we just haven't come up with the equipment 
to actually detect anything yet because like you know that's kind of how you know before galileo was like oh the earth's flat because that's all we can see here's my take on it yeah if it was real somebody would have documented something over the course of the last hundreds of years that it that actually proves it yeah you think so because that's what i'm saying do you think maybe there'd be something listen with all the the paranormal hunting that's out there somebody would have gotten a video of a ghost walking around or of a, a a true activity that you couldn't explain right well, there um, are those. Those are floating around, but it's just whether or not you believe they're real, like, they're photos real. <laughs> or if they're fake photos. And, and Mark, Photoshop is just, a beautiful no, thing. No, no, no. Hey, not, listen. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, after I finish the story, I'll tell you about some paranormal stuff afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so more. Tell All me right. the rest of the so story. So finish it off. So we stopped at the third stop, more of the same. Not a whole lot going on there. So but when it was all over, they asked me if they'd if I saw the light at all yet or if I'm still completely skeptic and I said I see nothing that changes my opinion at all they're like well why don't you go down to the basement <laughs> I'm like you're gonna go down in there alone I'm like they're like sure okay no problem so yeah. I go down there and Candy comes with me my wife and we close the door and so I'm like alright listen if there is anything in the way of a spirit in this basement scratch me kick me push me pull me do something to show me you exist yeah Nothing. Nothing. And I sat there for a while. We turned the lights off. Yeah. The, the, the whole thing. Nothing. Right. So we come back out, and th- this is my favorite part of the story. They asked if anything happened, and I said no, and uh, everybody agreed that's because I intimidated them. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to so say. Never I intimidated the ghost. Yeah, I was so, going to say, they're never going to show up where you're at. <laughs> th- those of you that are friends with me on social media saw some of my posts. Um, that I'm in the wrong career. I am going to become a Ghostbuster. <laughs> I actually, uh, one of my artists was kind enough to do a mock-up of me as a Ghostbuster. Nice. Yeah. Uh, which is now online and fairly available. And <laughs> Fairly available um, if you'd like to have I it. I made sure for Halloween I got a Ghostbusters costume. Oh, did you? Okay. I did. All right, so you got one of those. Hey, there's money to be made. <laughs> Marshall ain't afraid no. I'm entrepreneurial. <laughs> I want to bring it back to weather for a second. What was the weather like that night when you guys were there? It was a very chilly night, and weather just tie in as far as, you know, one of the ways that is said to detect ghosts is by temperature. So they had thermal sensors and various types of thermometer, one that shot a beam and took a temperature of a surface. So they had me playing with that and, you know, trying to get it to reach certain cold spots. And, yeah, it was a clear... Very chilly night in Gettysburg, so I found some cold spots because the ground radiates it's when it's... <laughs> right. And by the way, it was from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Right. So it's middle of the night. Perfect the ground timing. is radiating. Yeah, I found some nice cold spots, and all of them perfectly expected. Well, Nothing that I couldn't explain. Yeah. Well, because uh, we were talking about with JV just a little while right. ago, and he was talking about, you know, sometimes when there's heat waves or really pointed to rain... Obviously, you know a ton of meteorologists over the years. Has anyone that you've worked with or talked to ever had an experience during a rainstorm with a ghost? No. <laughs> That's simple. <laughs> That's no. simple. No. So yeah. I'll give you this. And this is interesting, and I can't necessarily explain this completely, though I know the reasoning, ultimately. several We drove around the battlefield in Gettysburg, and several of my pictures had this aqua blue-like tiny little spot on them near the bottom of the pictures. Different pictures, different places had this same little color mark. Not all of them, just some. Now, I was told that, that is an orb and, again, a sign of something paranormal. Yeah. Uh, or a light, an, a, a light, light anonymous. Right, a, an, an yeah. occurrence of light hitting oh, the lens in a certain anomaly. way. But 
you know, people will take that as they may. I thought that was interesting that it's the same color and the same type and the different parts of the bottom of pictures. People can make of it what they may. As I said, I tend to believe that's just how light happened to be hitting the lens at those particular times. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty interesting. Like I said, I still think there's a possibility we just don't have what it takes to detect that there's other kinds of energy. But um, I don't know. I don't know if I believe it, don't believe it. I am not a skeptic, but I don't necessarily believe that it's... And I've gone on one of those before as well. I've mm-hmm. gone on, How a, was your on a ghost hunt. It was, there was a little bit of stuff. We set up like some motion cameras and like those trigger objects, mm-hmm. like, you know, like a doll or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was at an old um, tavern in mm-hmm. and around the area. Down in the bar at about like 2.30 in the morning, very uneasy feeling. Like I just felt like something was watching How many me. drinks did you have? That's at that <laughs> point. To go there. <laughs> None. Yeah, at a bar, people <laughs> seeing things. What a shock. <laughs> very uneasy feeling. I felt like I, I was kind of being watched, and we used one of, the, uh, one of those spirit boxes where it, it, it goes through radio waves, and it can pick up spirit voices kind of like an evp and yeah you know i think that's kind of what the app was that i was talking about yeah sort of we kind of like asked like a question and you know didn't hear much but then i got like one answer and it was kind of under it was like an oddly specific type answer i asked a question i forget what it was about it was a couple years ago and and the answer that i got was kind of close to what i asked the the sound that i got so i felt a lot of cold i kind of i heard some things but nothing like really really super oh my god i'm 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 absolutely terrified but it like an unnerved feeling yeah yeah kind of an uneasy feeling right like okay so i uh, my family now this isn't my ghost story because like i said i have no sensitivity <laughs> so i don't pick up on anything but neither does my brother rocco he has absolutely no sensitivity so when he was a kid we had this 200 year old barn and there, it was one of those ones that's so old it was put together with the wooden pegs, like, mm-hmm. and they didn't even have the, like the metal stakes. And so he hated when he would be up there by himself because he said one time he was up there and he saw somebody on like a rafter and smelled pipe smoke. And then another time he said he walked in and he heard the, someone say from that general vicinity, Oh, there you are. And he like freaked out and so he hated that barn he eventually tore down the barn (laughs) and he was more than happy to do that when he built a new barn but like he swears and he is like totally so so i'm kind of like well i don't know there might just be the possible i still don't know i think i would want it to be like scientific uh stuff made by scientists or physicists or somebody then i might trust that a little bit more but uh yeah so i'm like you andy i'm i'm just i'm not sure how I feel about it. But I've never personally had any experiences at all and doubt that I ever would. So, but thanks so much. Uh, Marshall ain't afraid of no ghosts. He just ain't. No, Marshall is sure. What's that? <laughs> yeah. Marshall is sure. Marshall is sure. So, <laughs> we'll see. There might be something one day. You never know. You never know. But thanks for sitting down with me, Marshall. Thank I appreciate you. it. It was fun. And now here's Elliot Abrams with This Week in Weather. There's the normal and there's the paranormal. Six years ago this week, a storm that wasn't normal hit the eastern United States. Its name was Sandy. The storm had started off the Florida coast and headed northward, and typically a storm that comes up to the middle Atlantic coast will simply go out to sea at that point. This one didn't. It came up to just along the New Jersey coast and headed westward. Many of the computer models had suggested that would occur, but until it actually did, it was hard to believe it would. 
Winds gusted along the Jersey coast and into Long Island at better than 75 miles per hour or worse than 75. Tremendous damage, some of which hasn't been repaired even now. An almost unprecedented storm. Was it ghostly? Was it really paranormal? Well, storms like that in the past have occurred sometimes, but not that frequently. What about this week? Well, we don't have any storm like that. Of course, if forecasts change, we'll revamp our forecast. And we think that there won't be any thunderstorms the next few days, so the monster that flies a kite in a thunderstorm, Franklinstein, will be out of business. But the weather through the end of the week, basically dry, and then a storm will affect the northeast part of the country this weekend with rain that could end as wet snow, especially across the interior. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Elliot Abrams. Thanks, Elliot. Well, uh, our intern, Caroline DiCarlo, is sitting here with me. She's from New York, and you were just saying that Sandy impacted your trick-or-treating that year. It did. I was in eighth grade at the time, and I was still trick-or-treating as an eighth grader, and which was <laughs> the bigger were, problem. You were one of the kids I turn away at the door, and I'm like, no, come on, you're too old. No, I'm just teasing. No, I, I might have been. But anyway, so Sandy touched down on October 29th that year, and our mayor made a phone call on the 29th just letting everyone know that he was officially moving Halloween to it was either November 1st or 2nd or something like that. And so everyone just stayed inside on the 31st and instead went out, I guess it was that weekend. Yeah. So I what said, were you, out of curiosity? Uh, me and my friends were a deck of cards that year. So oh, really? I was probably like the queen of hearts or something <laughs> funny like that. I don't know. But we were a deck of cards. Yeah, so you were definitely <laughs> impacted by it. And you know what? Folks are be, be heading out for Halloween this year. And we just want to let you know that you can download our AccuWeather app because, you know, talking about inclement weather. Um, it has the minute-by-minute forecast for your area. So you can kind of look at it. It says rain in five minutes so you know whether or not you need to get into somebody's house and start getting some treats. Absolutely. <laughs> Stay safe and uh, on top of all those current conditions with a minute cast on the AccuWeather app. Right. And uh, next week, Caroline just happened to hook us up with next week's interview, which we're pretty excited about. We are going to be talking about politics, elections, and how the weather affects the turnout and the ultimate outcome of some of these elections. So yeah. uh, we're excited about that. Tune in. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the AccuWeather podcast, giving you the stories behind the weather, discussions on trending weather topics, and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 